I invite you to join with me in our prayer for illumination. Let us pray together. God of Epiphany, we long to hear your holy word in fresh ways. Open our ears to the call of your voice. Open our eyes to the dawning of a new day. Fill us with anticipation for your future. Amen. Good morning. Scripture lesson today comes from Luke 3, 15 to 17, and 21 to 22. This is the word of God. The people were waiting expectantly, and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of, those, of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love with you, and I am, very, I am well pleased. Thanks, Dave. So let me ask you all a question today. Who are you? Who are you? Who am I? I'm not losing my mind. I don't think. But it's a question that we all wrestle with at different times in our lives. I was curious to get an insight into what today's high schoolers thought about this question and how we develop a sense of identity. And so I asked the high school students that I get to sit with on Sunday mornings about identity and what it's like to try to carve out who you are when you're in the midst of high school. And surprisingly, or maybe not that surprisingly, their answers were not all that different than what you might find among older adults today. That identity has a lot to do with how you find your place with the other people that you are in school with, or at work with, or living with in your house. That a lot of who you are is about perhaps trying to impress someone else, or trying to fit in or get along. We talked a little bit about personality tests that high schoolers sometimes take, whether it's the Enneagram, uh, that nine-pointed star thing that maybe you've heard of. Um, if you're looking for a book and you're interested about the Enneagram, there is a great book called The Road Back to You um, 
based off of some of the work that uh, Father Richard Rohr, who is a Roman Catholic priest, has done about Enneagram studies and how kind of a, it has a spiritual tie-in. Maybe you've heard of Myers-Briggs before. Um, Myers-Briggs is that, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Are you thinking or feeling, judging or perceiving, uh, intuitive or whatever the other one is. I always get confused. Of course, I know mine more than I know the others. Pastor Tom, who was one of the pastors here for a number of years, loved the Myers-Briggs. And in fact, he and a couple of other pastors did a whole study uh, of psychological type and took our consistory and staff through it at the time. Uh, you always find out fascinating things about others when you do these things together. But it all kind of gets into this idea of what does it mean to be who we are? How do we define ourselves? Sometimes we define ourselves by our relationships, right? Like I am the husband of my wife, who I won't mention by name because otherwise I have to pay her $50. Or I am the father to my kids, or I am the son of my parents, the grandson of my grandparents. You kind of get the idea with that, right? Or perhaps we have identity from our job. Like, I am the pastor of this church. You are teachers and business folks. You're retired. Or the things that we like to do, right? Playing golf or brewing beer or roasting coffee beans or going to the movies or whatever that looks like. Lots of different things. When a person gets close to 40, like I am, knocking on the door this year in 2022, sometimes it's said that we can go through a midlife crisis. What is a midlife crisis? Well, it's about waking up and realizing that you're halfway through your life or thereabouts, and maybe you don't like the person that you have become. So you're going to change something about yourself, like getting a tattoo or buying a sports car or something like that. So if you see me you know, show up in a red convertible at some point, you'll know what's going on. All of this goes into our identity. Now, when we form our primary sense of identity off of these things that I've talked about here, what happens to us in a time of loss? I think this is a particularly interesting question for us as we, you know, round the corner on two years of pandemic that has taken away so much and has left so many of us feeling a sense of loss, whether we have lost friends or loved ones to death, or whether we've lost friends and loved ones to the political climate that is going on, if we've severed ties with people, or we just don't get to do the things that we would like to do in the way we would like to do them. All of those things with a sense of loss. And if, our, and if our identity is wrapped up in some of those things, what happens when 
they end. If you understand yourself primarily as a spouse to your spouse, and you either get divorced or your spouse dies, what happens to your identity? If your identity is found in your occupation and you lose your job, as so many did during the pandemic, then what happens to your sense of identity? And for a lot of people, it was a real struggle. All of this has a point, I think. As Christians, we get our identity from a different place. We hear it in this message from Luke's gospel. When Jesus goes into the waters of baptism, along with the others who were being baptized there in the river, when he comes out, he's praying, and he has an experience. He sees the Holy Spirit descend like a dove in bodily form, and he hears a voice from heaven. And that voice says, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And in that moment, Jesus has confirmation of his identity. Now, we've been reading in Luke's gospel the story of Christmas, right? And in Advent, we read stories about Mary and her cousin Elizabeth and John the Baptist uh, and John, what his baptism uh, is supposed to be about and who Jesus is in relationship to him. Uh, Jesus has no doubt been hearing stories about his birth and what it was like in the same way that we share with our kids, what, what the experience was like when they were born because, well, they don't remember. And that's where it comes down to baptism for us. Some of you were baptized in this very baptismal font. Or if you weren't, maybe your kids were. Or maybe your grandkids were. So I'd like to see a show of hands here. Whether it was in this baptismal font or whether it was in a different baptismal font, how many of you remember being baptized? Let's see some hands. Who remembers being baptized? Ruth. Ruth remembers her baptism. Who else? Anyone else remember? Ruth up there remembers being baptized? Okay. Yes, your name has to be Ruth in order to remember. So for those of us who are not named Ruth, we do not remember. Now, there's a, I have a picture of my baptism at the Morningside Lutheran Church in Sioux City, Iowa. A pastor that I don't remember the name of. 
my parents probably remember, maybe. We started going to the Reformed Church when I was about three years old. But I don't remember it. I was a baby. And judging by some of you, you don't remember it either. Now, there is one, now there are two, three, four people in the room here that I actually baptized. Hey, Caroline. Hey, Caroline, you remember when I baptized you? She's hiding. See, she's younger than all the rest of you. And she doesn't even remember. We're headed to Disney World in a couple of days. And regardless of whether that's a good idea in a global pandemic or not, she doesn't remember when we were there two years ago. We don't remember. We don't remember our baptism. So does that mean then that we don't have that sense of Christian identity if we don't remember it? Does that mean that it didn't work or that somehow we need to be baptized again so that we remember? Well, for some people, they say that yes, that that is true. But I think it's more important for us to think about this water that I just poured in here. It didn't come from the Jordan River. There's nothing particularly special about it. In fact, it's the same water that I had in the cup last week. It's been there for a week. So it's really not that special at all. But what's special about the water is what we do with it when it goes into this particular stainless steel bowl. Babies, children, adults, regardless of their age, they come forward or with their parents or a guardian, grandparents. We stand around the font with the elders, with the congregation, Everyone hearing these words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then making a sign of the cross on the person's forehead, you have received the Holy Spirit and you are marked as Christ's own forever forever. And we stand and we make promises to the parents and the family that we will participate in raising the child. And we make that promise not only on behalf of ourselves, but on behalf of the entire church universal. That wherever that family goes, they will find a church who loves and cares and has promised to help them raise their child up to be someone who is beloved by God. And we need to be reminded of this. We need to be reminded that our primary identity 
is that we are children of God. And thankfully, we're all pretty well acquainted with water. I'm guessing that most of you had some interaction with water over the last couple of days or so. Perhaps by taking a bath or a shower or by drinking some or having the experience of some very cold stuff falling on you when you walked outside today to come here to church. Because water is so prevalent, it means that we can be reminded of our baptisms all the time, every day. We don't have to wait for the occasion of gathering around the font to remember the words that God spoke to Jesus. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child, whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. That's the message that Jesus received, and it's the message that we all receive in baptism. That that is our primary identity, my friends. And it's a message of love that precedes our ability to understand it. Probably my favorite part of the liturgy, it's especially poignant with a child, but even for an adult. The words that God loved us first. Before we had any knowledge of who God even is. That our first message, the first words spoken to us are words of love from God. And so, I think it makes sense for us to be reminded of our baptisms whenever we come into contact with water. Now, it's going to feel a little strange because you've probably not done this before. But we'll practice now, and then when you get into a situation, you can do it yourself. Repeat after me. I am God's child. I am loved by God. God is pleased with me. I want you to repeat those words to yourself. When you're in the bathtub, when you're in the shower, when you're in the rain, when you're taking a drink, when you're cooking, whatever it is. Whenever you come into contact with water, Remember your baptism by repeating those words. I am a child of God. God loves me. And God is pleased with me. Whoever we are beyond that doesn't matter nearly as much as who we are in the sight of God. We are loved by God. We are children of God. God is pleased with us. Yesterday, today, and forever. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. 
Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of water, for the way that it refreshes us and cleanses us and sustains us. And we thank you for Jesus, who is living water, who refreshes and sustains our very souls. Lord, help us to remember that we are your children, that you love us, and that you are pleased with us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me now as we affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed? People of God, what do we believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. <laughs>